Hey there, welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Feldman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. Now, first off, I wanted to thank everybody for your support during our annual Tint Tuesday sale, which uh, is always a lot of fun because we get to see uh, all kinds of new uh, customers with new ideas and, of course, many old friends uh, restocking for their... uh, upcoming uh, tank adventures for the winter so it's it's a fun opportunity for everybody to uh to get some stuff and and save a little money and in the process of course and for us it's important for our business like so many others because we uh you know try to have those sales that uh, that get everybody involved and get some uh some uh, good things going so that we can uh, bring you some new ideas and new tanks and new uh products in uh, 2020 so that's going to be a lot of fun to do that this one was a little bit challenging because of course it comes uh, at the time of an American holiday, Thanksgiving, and uh, it's always a little busy with family and friends coming in, and I had the added frustration of being a little bit sick, or actually quite sick, uh, during the uh, during the sale. So it was really tough, and giving everybody uh, the time off to spend with their families. We're now getting back into it. Thank God I'm healthy. Got my uh, got my voice back. Uh, nasty little flu going around, even though it's early in the year here. We had a lot of uh, cold weather in Los Angeles. Now you're not really interested in all that, so we'll get back into fish, but. Just wanted to, again, thank everybody and let you know uh, we're getting those orders out as quickly as we can. Uh, so there is a huge backlog, as you might imagine. And since we do everything by hand, we're going to do our best to do it slowly, carefully, and completely. So please be patient with us. If there's a specific need to have something by a certain date, obviously let us know. Otherwise, we'll get those things in, uh, out to you uh, happily in the order that the uh, orders were received. And uh, we'll do our best to, uh, to make you happy. Anyway, I wanted to uh, talk to you. This kind of dovetails well with the, the idea for today's uh, podcast. It's actually um, one of those things that everybody can relate to. Um, like so many people in the hobby, I have millions of different cool ideas that I want to try and just not enough time in the day uh, or in the week or, or the month for that matter, or in this case, the year to try them. Um, one of the fishes that I played with in the past and I wanted to play with again in a botanical style tank, I, I actually have not done that before even though I've kept these fish, is the sparkling guarmy. Um, this is one of those interesting fishes that I that I just love. And I receive a lot of those questions like, oh, what botanicals should I use for an environment featuring, you know, insert your favorite fish here. And so I figured today I'm just going to kind of share with you my sort of notes or dossier or whatever on this fish uh, and the ideas I had for creating an aquarium for this. I put this in our blog form. It's actually probably better to actually just talk about it than it is to put in the blog, but so it's good to podcast this. Um, now, the uh, sparkling guarmy, uh, Trichopsis pumila, I, I know I'm butchering that name, but that's okay. I'm going to do that anyway. <clears throat> to me, it's a really fascinating fish. And the environment, more interestingly, the environment that the fish comes from is really interesting. So... Again, this is sort of a distillation of notes uh, from uh, from my ideas for this fish, and, and we'll kind of go from there. Now, this fish this fish is found throughout the Lower Mekong River Basin in Laos, and you know, Vietnam, Cambodia, Thailand, and in watersheds pretty much all over central and southern peninsular Thailand. It's a really small fish; it reaches only about an inch and a half, which is about three point eight four centimeters. So it lends itself well to being kept in small aquariums, ranging from you know two and a half to ten gallons. Uh, which is what about 9.46 to 37.85 liters see i'm trying to do metric for you guys i've always found these fish to be you know rather inactive in other words they're not like swimming all over the place like schooling tetras or whatever they don't seem to utilize a lot of the space indeed they actually disappear in larger aquariums so it's one of those fishes where small tanks actually work better in my opinion 
Um, funny thing about this fish is, and, and you know, somebody's going to email me and says, this isn't true, but I had actual sparkling guarmies that croaked. They, they, they did that noise. Um, and and I, I wasn't aware at the time that they are capable of vocalizations. Uh, and then when you find out that they're known in the trade as the dwarf quoking guarmy in some areas, I guess it makes a lot of sense. But I remember a couple of occasions on my house where I had this noise coming from the room where the fish tank was. And I was like, what is this, a cricket or something? It was really driving me crazy. And I realized it was these little guys making their noise. Um, <clears throat> so that's kind of fun to, fun to see. Anyway, back to the fish. So it typically inhabits slow-moving, sometimes even semi-stagnant water. And, you know, that includes swamps, tributaries of rivers, floodplains, rice paddies, irrigation channels, even roadside ditches. And we'll talk about that. Uh, it seems to favor sluggish and still environments regardless, with a lot of vegetation, roots, leaf litter, branches, and other, you know, matter in it. I think we have some experience creating that type of look, right? Now, since the fish likes access to humid air, you'd be well advised not to fill the aquarium all the way to the top and perhaps do some kind of cover, um, you know, leaving that humidity at the air-water interface. And, of course, they can breathe atmospheric air to a certain extent, and that's why it's a perfect subject for, like, a riparium-type display. Um, in fact, I think recreating that water-land interface aspect of their habitat is the way to go, particularly in a small tank where you can really go crazy and do all kinds of cool things. Now, swamps with dark organic rich water and riparian plants are not an uncommon biotope for this fish and i wouldn't overthink it too much when you create a tank for this of course the other interesting habitat which i want to spend a little more time on uh where these fishes are found are rice paddies and um that happens a lot and interesting thing about rice paddies is we know they're flooded for the cultivation of rice and oftentimes what happens is creeks and rivers in the nearby area sort of overflow during this flooding and the fish migrate into the rice paddies and stay there for the period of time that these fields are inundated, which is a good part of the year. Now, recreating rice a rice paddy is one of those interesting ideas I've dabbled with for a while. And if you recall from my so-called urban agapo experiments over the summer, um, one of the one of the plants that I grew in that my first iteration of the urban agapo was rice, and it grew it quite successfully. It grows nicely because. Obviously, it grows in a submerged, you know, in, in a, in a um, inundated state like this. So, you know, with rich terrestrial soil, all the ideas that we've played with, you can certainly incorporate this into the environment of the guarmi. And I was like, you know, this is really interesting. We could maybe actually do a rice patty by really growing rice. I don't think I've seen many people try that. And I, I know now that I can confidently grow the rice, I can maintain this type of a habitat. And I think the fish would be perfect for it. Um, I think it's really achievable, very unique, and I think it would sort of add to the uh, the, the, the interest in the uh, of, of the fish when you keep it in complementary environments to those that it's found in in nature. So I would encourage you to play around with that. You can get rice seeds online. You can get it at, at you know some uh, local um, uh, nurseries. Um, contact me if you're interested in where to get those. I can tell you where I got mine. And uh, I would uh, I would definitely um, consider that. Uh, and then, of course, there's those roadside ditches, which are not that uncommon in these regions of high precipitation. The, the fact that this fish is so undemanding and is found in these rather diverse habitats makes it a real gem of a specimen to play with, and no pun intended there, right? Um, but those kind of sluggish, slow-moving, botanically rich habitats are alluring to us. And I think for this fish, it's perfect. And experimenting in a small tank, you can do a lot of these crazy ideas and get in and out of it easily if it's not working for you. And I think that's an interesting and highly achievable type of display, and it would be really unique. 
Um, you know, so I want you to play with those types of concepts with rich soil. That that was really my my big takeaway was very tinted water, mucky rich soil uh, leaves and or the rice paddy idea. Those are two things I think would work really well with these. And for that matter, for other small guarmies and even betas, which many of you have played with. Of course, the substrate, again, is an important component of the sparkling guarmies habitat, in my opinion. And I'm thinking of uh, supplementing a thin layer of sand and maybe planted aquarium substrate with materials like, you know, our fundu tropical, which is a coconut core product, and substrato fino, which is also a very finely ground coconut material to create that dark, rich look and the tinted water. And of course, the conditions that the fish seem happiness happiest with are the typical soft acidic type, which we know. So these materials work, and we know how to achieve, you know, how to create that type of condition. I'm not going to go into the boring aspects of creating soft acidic water. We we know that we've covered it many times, um, but I'm thinking more in terms of what materials I would use. Uh, now, people again, the number one question people say: What botanicals would I use in an environment of such and such a fish. We're going to talk about this one. So here are, from my notes, the core um, botanicals that I would use, what I call the anchor components of these botanicals. Um, first off, I'd start with nano lotus seed pods. I like these because they're little, they have that kind of Asian look to them, and they are relatively innocuous. They're not a, a high tannin producing product, but what they do is they, they decompose, they sink, they produce a fair amount of biofilm, which I think is good for these fishes to supplement with their environments. And if nothing else, it's helping foster bacterial growth and microorganism growth, which creates a more diverse ecological environment. So I find those interesting. Banana stem pieces are another one I would use because, you know, bananas are found in that environment. They're kind of from Southeast Asia, so it works. Um, these are interesting botanicals, again, because these ones do impart a little bit of uh, tannin tint to the water. But again, more important because they swell up and they tend to uh, dissolve and be a good substrate for growing biofilm. And again, for small fishes like this, I really am of the opinion that uh, biofilms and, and the like are a supplemental food source. It's, again, having played with this many times, and particularly most recently in my uh, Tucano Tetra tank, where I, I and in my uh, adventures with the green neons in, in these types of tanks, where I didn't do any supplementary, supplementary feeding, uh, I achieved some really interesting results by them just feeding off the natural biofilms and bacteria that were present in the water. So I think that there's something there. And I think utilizing materials like this that tend to recruit biofilms in abundance would be a really great way to go. Um, another one that I like is uh, the fishtail palm stems. I think they're great not only because they have an aesthetic look, but uh, because they can physically create an interesting environment. You get enough of them in there. They create a sort of a complex uh, substrate. Uh, you know, or a matrix of material on the substrate. And I think that would be really cool to work with. And of course, catapa bark. I would use probably the Celaton variety if it's from Borneo uh, or, uh, you know, any, really any of the catapa bark we use. But I like catapa bark because A, it, it reminds me of the material that would accumulate in any of these roadside ditches or even for that matter in rice paddies. And number two, because it does impart tannins and humic substances to the water and it lasts a very, very long time. So again, a nice, uh, nice material to play with. Uh, also, cocoa palm bracts, either the, the nano, the little ones, or the uh, uh, the full-size ones, because palms are an important part of the terrestrial habitat where the fishes are found, and these are durable, they can help supplement leaf litter, uh, serve all the roles that we've talked about before, and they just have a neat look, and so that's why I included that. And of course, 
again, I'm, I'm really about a rich substrate with these fishes because the fishes seem to spend more of their time near the surface. So you can really create an interesting substrate look. And I, I think that's important. So I like, you know, lots of small leaves. I like mixed leaf media, that, that material that we offer with crushed leaves of, of various types, because when it breaks down, number one, it imparts the tannins and humic substances into the water. It forms a basis for biofilms, microorganism growth, and it just looks kind of interesting as opposed to just a sand bottom. You know, the fish seem to be a little more calm against a darker bottom. Now, these fish are, you know, fairly sociable, so you can keep them in small groups as opposed to just pairs. And being relatively peaceful, you want to keep them with similar sized tank mates. But the reality is that, again, these are the kinds of fishes that when I decided to keep them, I want to keep them highlighted in their own tank because I just don't keep them that way typically. Um, you see lots of fishes that do better on their own in specialized environments. And since they're capable of adapting to a variety of conditions, and since they seem to do well in smaller aquariums, you can really not feel too bad about devoting an entire tank to them. So play, play, play with those. Um, one of the best things about this fish, besides that it's, uh, you can, you can keep it in a small tank is that, uh, it's, you could do a surprisingly realistic representation of their habitat. And again, the, the joy of small tanks without going into that over and over again, is that you can painlessly recreate a, a specialty environment like this for a fish. And if you like it, you can scale it up. Sure. You could do a 100 gallon sparkling gourmet tank. You'd, you'd use a lot of them or you might not even see them, but for aquarium purposes, it's nice to scale these down because you can control more easily control and create these types of environments and, and uh, features. And in my years of keeping this, this particular fish, and I've kept it a few times over the years, one of the most surprising things was that they're much easier to keep than the popular belief that, that you know, abounds on them. And I think that this is in large part because I have always elected to keep them in those specialized aquariums, dedicated aquariums, as opposed to trying to integrate them into a community you know, of diverse fishes. They just don't do as well. They don't compete well. They're very tiny, relatively inactive fishes. I, I found the same with for fishes, for example, like killifishes. Killifishes can live in a community aquarium. They just don't do well that way. They seem to be found by themselves in still environments. And that's kind of what you're seeing with, with a lot of these smaller guarmies. So to me, I think you're almost always going to have a better outcome keeping them in their own little tank than keeping them in a community tank. So really what I've given you here today is uh, just a very, very brief introduction to the ideas that I had for what I hope in 2020 is going to be a sparkling guarmy tank. And I'm sure many of you have a lot of other ideas and many of you have bred and kept this fish and other little guarmies and, and, and for that matter, uh, other anabantoids. So um, you've, you've done this before, but it's a, it's a common uh, fish that we, I don't say common fish, but it's a common request that we have people say, can you do me an enigma pack for this type of, for this particular fish or, or croaking guarmies or chocolate guarmies. And they all have fairly similar um, environmental requirements and they come from fairly similar habitats. So this could sort of help you at the very least get little talking points to, to get started on planning your own system. So I, I really hope that this little review and you know, my ideas for a couple of tanks and, and uh, the botanical suggestions give you at least a little inspiration to get things going. And um, I'd love to see what you guys have done. Uh, I'm glad to be back into this. As you can tell, I don't have my entire voice back. It's getting there. But uh, head into the, uh, to the office and start packing some stuff for you guys now. So um, we're looking forward to getting those out uh, and uh, hope you enjoy the, uh, the, the materials that you've purchased from us. And we look forward to seeing what you do with them. 
most important, we look forward to continuing to inspire you throughout the holiday season and into 2020. We'll get in, we're going to start picking back up the pace of getting our, uh, our, our podcasts out and, uh, maybe sharing some other things, maybe doing some live, uh, you know, um, live uh facebook or instagram uh to uh, to show you some of the things going on around here and i look forward to seeing you on the next installment of the tent <laughs>